are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. All right. Glad to be able to talk to you today. Um, have you ever heard the saying that uh, you, can, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family? You know, that's, that's a, a very popular saying out there. And it, it's true when it comes to blood family, but it's not so true when it comes to church family. You know, when you decided to come here to Anovo um, and make this home, you, you chose a family. And you, you, you made the choice. So family is always a work in progress, especially at church. You hear that term tossed around. That it's not, it's not cool today to say church is family in, in, a, in some circles. But we're a work in progress, and we're moving more and more towards being family and treating each other like family. And our, our goal is we want to be a community where people can come in and feel at home, and they can experience the Lord, and experience you, because that's a big part of it as well. You know, we want to be a community where people can belong and be supported and grow, and sometimes we step on each other's toes and bump elbows and um, get mad at each other sometimes, and some people even walk away. And, and, um, but most of us work things out. We try to make family work. It's hard to make family work sometimes. You know, the good thing is we don't have to agree on everything to be family. Uh, we don't have to have exactly the same theology, but we want to agree with the major aspects of who God is and what He does and what He did for us on the cross. We want to agree with those things. We just have to communicate and, and love each other and teach the Word and embrace uh, or at least tolerate some of the differences because we're all a little different. Sid came in with a suit today. You know, I forgot my suit today, so you know, it, it happens sometimes. <laughs> we embrace or tolerate the differences, and we make relationships a priority. Now, you've heard me say um, before probably that I come from good German stock. My mom's side is all German. My dad's side is half German, half English. And with Germans tend to be a little uh, cerebral, uh, not too emotional, a little standoffish sometimes, and a little picky. And throughout my family history, if you go back, in fact, one of my uncles wrote a book on the Daniel side of the family. And if you go back, one thing I noticed in my family, especially on that side, is that people get, um, get mad at people and they write them off. So I've got uncles who don't talk to each other, uh, relatives don't talk to their parents, I mean, there's just been some really tough things. Uh, my dad's tends, side tends to be close. My mom's side has a lot of that going on. And I decided early on, I, I don't, I don't want to be like that. I've tried hard to keep communication lines open and not give up on people. But all that to say this, being family takes work. You can't just let it happen. You've got to be actively involved in the process of loving your family and tr- treating people like family. And it has to happen at church as in our actual physical blood families as well. It's really important for a spiritual community like ours. So you might have realized this when you came and became part of Anovo, and I need to talk on those online because we have a lot of people sick today. If you're home, the same thing. Uh, if you made Anovo home, you knew that you were joining a family, but you might not realize that you were also joining a bigger family. We're a, we're a family within a family or a family that's part of another family. Uh, when we started Anovo 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, in my living room, um, we had 
you know, I had my leadership team in the church and some overseers outside the church that helped us get started. The, the uh, leadership team was to help me uh, just lead and fulfill our direction, and the overseers would help us if we had challenges or, or struggles. They'd show up. And some of you guys, if you're original, you, you remember that. But a few years into it, we realized that we needed to be part of a bigger family. So we began praying about that and thinking and wanting a little more accountability than what two guys could offer us who were really far away. And uh, somebody with similar theology that we have and could stretch us. So we found this in the Vineyard Association of Churches. And we prayed about this and we, we talked about it. We were familiar with the Vineyard a little bit. I was and Arnott had actually pastored a Vineyard church back in the day uh, in Hillsborough, Kansas. And we decided we'd fit well in the Vineyard family, so we approached them in 2013 up in Kansas City, Kansas, had, had lunch, and so we just said, hey, we, wanna, we love the Vineyard, we want to be part of the Vineyard, and we want some oversight and some, some leadership over our church as well. And uh, we started a conversation. Now, the Vineyard movement is very relational, which I like that about it. So the, so the process, we had to fill out some paperwork and go through some interviews and those kind of things. But they basically said, I said, how does this work? You know, how do, what do I need to do? And they said, yeah, just be around. Just be around. I'm like, what does that mean? They said, just, just, be, just be around. So I said, okay. So we went to, they have area meetings. We go to the area meetings. Uh, they had retreats. Mary and I would go to the retreats. And we were, we were more around than a lot of the vineyard pastors who have been vineyard pastors for years were around. We were just around. And after a couple years of just being around and, uh, you know, doing some, some digging and some research on the vineyard and them doing some digging and some research on us, in 2015, we made it official. Uh, we chose a bigger family, which was the vineyard, and they chose us. And I think it was a great decision. I, I love the vineyard. Um, Will called me this morning. Will is leading worship at a, at a big church, vineyard church in Kansas City today, and he just wanted, he's got two services down and one more to go. He just called to say, hey, and I said, yeah, hey, we're starting this today and talking about the vineyard a little bit more, and we kind of laughed a little bit about it, and uh, one of the, I, I told him one of the signs that God is doing something, we talked about this last week a little bit, one of the signs that God's doing something is sometimes you feel some emotion about something that you're talking about or doing. Um, Even though I'm from German stock, one, one thing the Holy Spirit has done in me has brought a lot of emotion into my life that I didn't used to have when I was younger. But sometimes, you know, when you're ministering to somebody and praying for somebody, sometimes, you know, Jesus was moved with compassion and he, and he healed people. That, that emotion sometimes and that compassion can be a sign that, that God's doing something and we have to pay attention to that. And um, before and even now, when I, when I think and talk about the vineyard and what God's doing with us and our bigger family, I get that emotion at weird times. I'll watch a video and I'll just start like, <laughs> you know, getting all emotional and stuff. And, and um, I just, I love that the fact that we're part of the vineyard. Um, I love the non-hype way that we approach ministry. It's a vineyard thing, but the power and expectation that God's going to do something is, is awesome. Not a lot of rules. It's, it's real and it's honest and it's supernatural, but it's natural. And it's just become our bigger family. Uh, much of what we believe was already vineyard to start with, but as we get into it more and more, just, there's just more confirmation of that. So uh, I think it's important for all of us 
to understand and know the vineyard because it's part of our family. So we decided we just want to start the year out doing something. We've really, I haven't talked about the vineyard in a sermon series for seven years, not since 2015. So we're just going to take a few weeks and we're going to talk about what it means to be part of this bigger family, uh, what the vineyard is, what it means for us. It's going to start showing up more and more in our church, uh, and I'm excited about that. But we want to talk about this DNA that's in us as a, as a movement and make sure we connect the dots, you know. I think when you hear a lot of what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, you're going to say, yeah, that's, that's, that's us. That's who we are. So today I want to do something that's it's a little different. It's not as much of a, a sermon today as a talk. Um, I just want to give us some history of the vineyard movement and where we fit into that and how we minister as part of the vineyard. Uh, I don't think I've done a good job over the last five years or so connecting these dots for us. So I want to, I want to help us to get this a little bit. So uh, the first thing is this, the vineyard is not a denomination, it's considered a movement. And uh, you hear that, you know, there's denom denominations that say that we're not a denomination. You know, I've been around some of those before, but yeah, they're really a denomination. The vineyard's not a denomination. You know, denominations like Methodist or Lutheran or even Catholic or Baptist. We got some of those in here. Baptists and Lutherans and Catholics. And how many of you guys have ever been part of a denominational church? Anybody? You've been part of that? Um, we're, 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 you know, that, that's fine, but the vineyard is not a, a movement. I want to give us a history sometime about, in, in a positive way of denominationalism and really the church from the time of Jesus to today. I want to share some of that, um, but we're not a denomination. The vineyard, we voluntarily submit to the vineyard. Uh, they can't come in here and just tell us what to do. You know, that's, that's, it's not a denomination. It's a voluntary submission, and it's, it's a movement. It's a group of people that just came together years ago and decided they were going in a common direction and uh, wanted to submit to each other and based on belief, and that's what we're doing. And the vineyard's so cool for us because we get to encourage each other and share ideas and resources and work together to grow God's kingdom, and that's good. One of the things I like about the vineyard is um, there, there's a lot of different distinctives we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, but one is that the vineyard considers, considers themselves, and we consider ourselves, part of what's called the radical middle. I don't know if you've heard that phrase or not, the radical middle. We, we, we consider ourselves halfway between the evangelical world and the charismatic world. We're not charismatic, we're not evangelical, we're right in the middle, drawn from both, both ideas. For example, um, I grew up Baptist which was awesome. And I, I, in that Baptist world, I developed a love for God's Word, and church attendance was part of that, three, three to thrive, three times a week we were in church growing up. But uh, definitely a love for the Word. And uh, in, the, in the charismatic world, I've been to some Assemblies of God churches. I was on staff at one, and in a Baptist church that the Holy Spirit just hit, and we kind of became Pentecostal, but we were really Baptist, um, where just an expectation to see God move, that you just know when you pray for somebody to be healed, you just have an expectation that God's actually going to do it. It's just not a theory or an idea, you know, so, um, but there's, you know, challenges on all sides, so we just try to draw from both of those, a love for the Word, but also a love for the Holy Spirit. You know, some churches it's all about the Word, some churches it's all about the Holy Spirit. We, both are important to us. You know, we, we embrace the Word of God 
but we also embrace the work of the Holy Spirit, and, and they're, they're both important and vital. So that's what's called the radical middle. So I'm going to just give us a little bit of a history today. Now, in our distinctives that we share coming up, uh, we're definitely going to show where this is at in the Bible and all these things work together. But today, I just want to kind of give us a little history. Now, I, uh, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus, stepped across the line of faith, however you want to put it, back in the early 70s. That's, a, that's going back a ways. I was really young. I was nine years old. And it was in the middle of what was called the Jesus movement, the Jesus people movement. I don't know if you were around for that or heard of that. And it was a, it was a revival among young people in the United States where tons of people were giving their life to the Lord Jesus. Young people were just, they were showing up at churches, they were seeking spiritual experience, they were going after God, and they were being delivered from drugs and alcohol, and, and all kinds of things were happening in all different kinds of churches. And I remember seeing this, and um, thousands, probably, it's estimated uh, probably over a million young people gave their life to the Lord in this, in this season. There was a big vineyard church in town that started with like 1,500 high school students because God was moving across the, uh, you know, the, the, the area and just doing things, and it started with just 1,500 high school students. But this is where I encountered the Lord and began following him. And it was so funny, even all around the, the, the country, people knew something was happening. Uh, Jesus was named, for what it's worth, Man of the Year in Time Magazine back when this was happening. I mean, people, this is, this is so funny to think about, but everybody knew something was going on. They just didn't know how to define it a lot of times. But thousands of new churches started in this country. It flavored everything uh, across the country, and definitely the church. And the, the Vineyard Movement, which was a, a, a movement of young people back in the day. So in 1977, um, there was a guy who was a rock and roller, um, musician, jazz musician, heathen, uh, encountered the Lord and, and gave his life to the Lord. Step, we, used to, we used to call it getting saved back in the day. He got, he got saved. And, and just God radically changed his life. And it happened in the context of a Quaker church in Southern California. And, and he began going to this Quaker church, and everything he knew about following Jesus, he learned from the Quakers. I didn't know what a Quaker was. I had oats for breakfast this morning. I just thought, Quaker, Quaker oats. I'd heard of Quaker oats. I didn't know anything else about Quaker. You're working at a Quaker university. Uh, you know, until I moved to Wichita, I didn't know much about the Quakers. But uh, John Wimber, his name was, began in a Quaker church. And eventually what God was doing through John didn't really fit with the Quakers so much. And they just kind of separated paths a little bit. You know, back in the day, the Quakers were called the Quakers because the power of God would fall on them and they would, they would shake in the presence of the Lord. That's where the term Quaker comes from. Not any, it's not so much part of their, their DNA now. Um, so he started a church in their living room. We started a Novo in our living room in 2010. John Wimber started a church uh, in his living room and people just began to experience the power and presence of God. And God just came and started doing things, and people were getting healed, and, and their lives were being transformed. And this thing grew and grew and grew. P pretty soon, there were like 500 people connected with this living room group. Of course, 500 people aren't going to fit in a living room. They did different things at different times. But eventually, they realized they needed to organize and, and officially become a church because so many people were coming. So they joined what was called the Calvary Chapel movement. There's two, I think two at least, Calvary Chapels here in town 
But it started in Southern California, a guy named Chuck Smith. And um, it was a very, it was a Jesus people movement, very casual uh, worship, guitars. It was just different from what was going on in that day. And for the first four or five years, what John was doing was part of the Calvary Chapel movement. But then over time, Calvary, the, the miracles and things taking place in John's living room, uh, the Calvary Chapel is kind of moving away from those things. And here's John and his church moving towards those things. They were becoming more evangelical. John was leading more towards the charismatic. And Chuck Smith pulled John aside one day and he just said, you know, hey, there's this little, there's this little group going on over here with a guy named Ken Gullickson who started some churches, real gentle, soft-spoken guy, still alive today, uh, started a church in Hollywood, California in 1974. And they're, they're meeting, and it was young people. Soon they, they, they grew to about seven or eight churches, and he named these churches the Vineyard. And he based this on two scriptures. I'm going to read these, Isaiah 27, 2 and 3. In that day, sing about the fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, will watch over it, watering it carefully. Day and night I will watch so no one can harm it. And then John 15, 5. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches, Jesus said. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. The, the church, vineyard churches he started were very much about relationship with the Lord. And so John goes to Ken and says, hey, uh, I think we're leaving the Calvary Chapel. I think they kind of they kind of give us the left foot of fellowship, as they say, and they're wanting us to move on. Uh, we want to kind of join what you're doing. And Ken says, Ken knew John. He said, John, why don't you come and lead it? So John became the leader of the Vineyard Movement in Southern California in 1982. That's when it happened. And at the same time, I know this is a lot of history today. At the same time, John was invited to Fuller Theological Seminary, a very well-respected seminary in Southern California. And he said, come and do a class on church growth and signs and wonders. So John goes to Fuller Theological Seminary and teaches a class, and it became more about signs and wonders than church growth, and God just began to move. And that thing just blew. And pretty soon, it's the biggest class in the history of Fuller Theological Seminary. People were coming from all over the world to get involved in this class as God was moving. And it went on for two or three years, and people are, the news organizations are coming and reporting on it. It was just so different. It was just, it was just on fire. And as happens, the other professors, since this thing was so popular, weren't that crazy about it. They weren't sure about everything going on. So they eventually shut it down. Uh, but that kind of put the vineyard on the map worldwide. And the, the vineyard church began to grow and spread. Now, John Wimber, this is some things I really want us to know. John Wimber began to rethink what church should be. A lot of things we do today, like electric guitars and drums in church, that didn't, that didn't happen when I was a kid. Uh, we wore suits and ties going to church all the time. Yeah, I wear a suit when I feel like it sometimes, but I don't have to. Um, but it, it, it really flavored the church. So here's some, here's some things that John began doing that was different. And this one I can't explain in time, but I just want to get it out there. We'll, talk, we'll refer back to it later. Uh, he began basing everything not on dispensational theology. Mark, we've had those, we've had those conversations again, but on kingdom theology. 
You know, dispensational theology was there's all these different ages and God does different things depending on the age that you're in, you know. And I kind of grew up with that a little bit. I remember in our Sunday school class, we had a chart. It listed all the different ages corresponding with Revelations chapter 3. And in this age, God did this. And in this, this age, God did this. And John kind of kind of said, that's, I don't think that's really true. And he talked about the present age and the age to come and that they overlap. And that we'll see things from the future age breaking into now and God doing things that are for later happening right now uh, in this present age. Uh, so that was the first thing, kingdom theology instead of dispensational. Uh, he began, they, they put a more, more of an emphasis on worship, that worship and preaching the word are equally important. Now, in, in evangelical churches, it's, it's all about the word. Worship is a setup for giving the, giving the sermon. And sermons are important, and the word is definitely important. But that's how things were at the time when the vineyard started. Uh, Catholic churches throughout history have put more emphasis on worship and, and liturgy and communion and different things. And the preaching is kind of secondary. John came along and said, we decided we wanted, we wanted to that worship and the sermon are equal, that they're both important, that we value worship. Sometimes God moves through the worship more than the sermon. Sometimes God moves more through the sermon than, than through worship. So that was a decision they made early on. Uh, I said this before, the Bible and the Holy Spirit are equally important. Uh, we can't throw out the Bible, we can't throw out the Holy Spirit. They're both, both of these things are so important for our movement. Uh, the mind and the spirit are both important. You know, he put it, there, there needs to be some, it needs to be reasonable. You know, sometimes charismatic things and manifestations of the Spirit, as you see in some churches, get a little weird and kooky. And one thing they decided was, we want to experience the work and power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't want to be kooky like it gets in some places. Holy Spirit's not kooky, but we, we you know, our, our, the way we react to it can be a little kooky sometimes. And God can do whatever he wants to do, but as, as a general principle, we want to see God move without swinging from the chandeliers. Okay? Uh, physical and philosophical approaches to spirituality are equal. Uh, expect many fillings of the Holy Spirit and not just necessarily big experiences. Now, I tell you, in my life, and Mary and I talk about this, I've had some big experiences with the Lord. You know, salvation is a big experience for me, it was. Uh, there was kind of a holiness experience I went through where God just moved in. This is a Methodist thing. Charles Wesley taught this, and I experienced it. I didn't even know what it was where God just showed up one day and like, just, just crap in my life and stuff in my life. Just God just began to deal with it right there. It was a stepping stone moment for me. Um, I, I experienced a Pentecostal assemblies of God. They would call it baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, but John, John taught that you can't just rely on those big experiences. We need to experience the Holy Spirit every day. That just sitting here on a, on a Sunday together, the Holy Spirit can fill you and minister to you. And, and we've been talking about that through our Holy Spirit and Christmas series. Okay? So expect many fillings and encounters with the Lord. Um, that kingdom work is not just about personal salvation, it's about family too. That what God's doing is not just about us. You know, we're very individualistic. But we need to know that God is doing something through our church family. And, when, the, and when, when, revival, when a revival happens at a church, it should affect a society. It should, it should affect justice issues. It should affect um, 
the world around you. you know, there's been big revivals that happened in churches and nothing around the church changed. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, well, what's up with that? Because really, if, there, if there's change taking place on the inside of us in community and it doesn't affect society, that's just crazy. God wants to affect the world through us. And there's been many revivals where that's happened and that's, that's, that's really the goal. And again, I said this on top of this, there's drums and guitar and, and, and longer worship and something else important for us, a priority on elbow room for the Holy Spirit. Everybody kind of put their elbows out, kind of, kind of jab somebody next to you a little bit, little elbows. You know, what's, what's elbow room for the Holy Spirit is that if God wants to come and do something, we're not going to be so programmed that we can't let it happen. And in other words, I'm not picking on any church or any, any system, but there's churches where that's just not built in. So where if God shows up, um, you know, it's just, we're just going to move on with our program, okay? So in the Vineyard Church, they begin, if the, if the Holy Spirit's doing something, it might be during worship, it could be during the announcements, it could be during the sermon, it could be after the sermon. We're going to stop and make room for what God wants to do. I just call it elbow room for the Holy Spirit. I was uh, on staff at a big Assemblies of God church years ago, and uh, Try to, try to say this the right way. The, the pastor had been in some trouble <laughs> and he was kind of away for a while. And we had four services, two on Sunday night and two on Sunday morning. And there was a little space in between, but there wasn't a lot of elbow room. And I remember the, the first time I got up and it wasn't me, it was just God was doing something. And I got up and began to speak and just, just the, the atmosphere in the room changed. And as I say it, God showed up, and I almost couldn't talk, and you could just see it on everybody. I'm thinking, okay, what do we do with this? And I'm like, I'm a man under authority. The pastor's not here. <laughs> I could take this a lot of different directions, but I, we just stopped and prayed, and then we just continued on with the program because I just wanted to be respectful of what the pastor in the church and what was going on. It wasn't built into our practice our spiritual community practice. Um, here we, we try to make elbow room for the Holy Spirit. So th there's a lot of things that came into this. We're going to kind of talk about this over, over the next few weeks. But what God did through John Wimber and the Vineyard Movement, it impacted the church. It became one of the most influential uh, aspects on the church today where, people, where Methodist churches and Catholic churches and different churches are, are doing things that were started in the vineyard. At the time, it was, it was revolutionary and breakthrough. Now, it's just kind of normal in a lot of ways. Well, anyway, John Wimber died in 1998, and the, the vineyard uh, movement continued. Now, there's over 600 vineyard churches in the U.S., uh, probably 150 to 200,000 people involved in these churches, and around the world, uh, 2,400 churches. It's even, the vineyard movement is huge in England and Brazil and Africa and all around the world. There's, there's more, many more vineyard churches, four times as many vineyard churches outside the U.S. than in the U.S. So it's a, it's a nationwide movement of what's going on. And uh, we became an Innovo Vineyard Church in 2015 in this home. So you might say, okay, this is different today. <laughs> you know, uh, what's up with the history lesson? Uh, what does this mean for us? And this, this, is, this is kind of where I'm going with this. Um, I want us to know this. Here, here's, here's the bigger thing. The DNA of what is in the vineyard, uh, in the vineyard movement, 
is, is showing up in us and it's going to show up more and more. When you're part of a bigger family, what's in that bigger family shows up in you. Uh, for example, um, most of us know our parents and our grandparents and maybe even our great-grandparents and our family line. And there are things that your great-great-grandpa did and spoke and mannerisms and looks that are in you. Because it's been, it's been passed through the DNA, it, it affects you in your life. There's mannerisms if you knew. And you can look at people way back in your family history and think, man, that looks just like my sister <laughs> or my brother, you know. The DNA is, is working through and you're part of a family line that affects who you are and how you do life. I have family mannerisms. I do things like my dad, don't I, Mayor? So she'll so, so, so call me, okay, Jerry Hall. You know, I said, something I do, it's, it's, my, it's my dad, you know. And I didn't necessarily choose that. It just became part of my personality in life because it's in my DNA. And there's things in our DNA, even though we were kind of grafted into the vineyard, that's a biblical principle. You know, the Gentiles were grafted in, you know, and now it's the church, it's different. Um, but we were grafted into the vineyard. And the history and the family dynamics of the vineyard are part of us as a church. And, and I just want us to know it, and I want us to see it. And it doesn't mean we love everything, that everything's perfect about the vineyard. It's not. It's just there's many great movements out there right now. But I just want us to see and understand how this is going to affect us and show up more and more. And we've just not talked about it much. And uh, there's so many benefits that we're going to have through this. So... So in the, in the coming days, we're going to talk about the, the vineyard distinctives, things that make us different that God's doing in here. I'll give you a couple of them real quick. You know, we talk about this, everyone gets to play. That, that's kind of different. And that's one that we talk about. Uh, the now and the not yet kingdom. John said something called the main and the plain. We just look at the main and the plain of Scripture. You know, we don't make it complicated. What, what does the Bible say? So there's all these things, and we're just going to kind of look at some of these and talk about how it affects us. And uh, we're going to officially start with those next Sunday. And uh, today I want, we just got a few minutes, I want to give us just a really quick, a model, vineyard style of how we're going to minister to people. How we've been ministering, but I just want to get more, I want to define it a little bit more. Uh, yesterday we, were, we did the food pantry, and it was great, and people came through, and we just kind of had a little formula of how we do it. You know, Jesus formula is probably not the right word, but maybe a little bit of a pattern of how we do ministry with people. And one of the things that God wants to do through us this year, and this is kind of a vineyard thing, is we want to interact with a lot of people outside of the church, and, and we want um, to let the Holy Spirit flow through us to minister to people at work, in the food pantry. Uh, we do an after-school outreach. We're, I was telling Jerome, we're going to do some things this year like a go to the laundromat, and we're just going to take a bunch of quarters, and we're going to put quarters in people's things for them, and then we're going to talk to them about the Lord a little bit. Low pressure, because that's who we are, um, and, and some other things as well. And we want to kind of create this pattern, because this, this is how we minister to people at church. It's how we minister to people at the laundromat, if you go to the laundromat, at work, wherever you are, your neighbors. And we base it on the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Um, one thing that Jesus did, and I love this, when he did ministry, it, it, was, it was almost always different than the time before. You know, one time he spit in the mud and made mud and put it on a guy's eyes. You know, there's groups out there that want a mud-making ministry, you know. <laughs> oh, this is how Jesus did it. But, but then another time he did it, and he commanded the sickness to leave somebody. And then another time he went, and he 
he commanded a demon to leave somebody. And another time he said, man, you just need to forgive. And he led him to forgiveness and, and healing flowed out of that. So there's no, the, the goal is for us is to hear the Holy Spirit, see what the Father's doing and jump in. You know, Mark, we've talked about this. God's at work everywhere. We don't need to bring Jesus into it. He's already there. We need to show up and cooperate with what God's doing. And that's what we want to do. So uh, I'm going to ask Jerome's here today. Jerome, why don't you come up here, buddy? You know, some people, if I could, if I could choose you, 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 would, you would stop breathing right now. So Jerome, Jerome and I have some history. So I'm going to ask, ask Jerome how he's doing. How are you doing, Jerome? Oh, I'm doing all right, sir. Okay, good to see you. Um, so the, the kind of a five-step, it's the five-step vineyard prayer model. I thought, well, let's, we'll just do this today, get it out there, and then we're going to continue with our series next week. So step number one, if we want to minister to somebody, let's say we're at the laundromat. Let's do this one. Let's do the laundromat. It kind of just came to me. And you're watching, you're going to the laundromat? Do you, you go there and wash some clothes? Okay, I've, I've been there too. And uh, maybe Jerome's there and he's washing some clothes and He's got two or three little babies with him, and you know he's got a whole family there. So I'm picking on you, um, and uh, and I just I just kind of sense you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up and talk to this guy, and just uh, maybe see what God's doing. So number one is the approach, and now in the food pantry line yesterday, so I want to kind of show the different ways this works. Um, people were coming through, and we were giving away food, and then after they got their food. You know, I just go up to the car and say, hey, how, how's it going today? What's happening? You know, how's Christmas? And we just talk. And that's kind of considered the approach. Very low pressure. You know, God loves people. We want to be respectful of people. I've been in situations where high evangelism was high pressure sales. And I've never liked that. I've been to food pantries where you've got to jump through a million hoops before you get your food and accept Jesus three times and maybe get baptized a, a time or two. You know, and I've, I've never liked that. Um, the approach is a very respectful honoring to the person. We're here to serve people. And you just go up and say, hey, you know, I'm Greg. What's your name? How are you doing? So how, how are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm all right. Good. What's your, what's your name? Uh, my name is Jerome. Jerome. How do you spell that? Uh, <laughs> no, I would, I would do that. <laughs> and we just talk like, well, how's your day going? You come here a lot. You know, we just kind of talk a little bit. And, and uh, it's, just, it's just considered the approach. And then we want to be friendly and just, you know, build some relationship. And we can, we can, there's different ways that it can go from here. One, and I'll do this with people, and I do this at the food pantry. Um, it's can I pray for you approach. Hey, is, is, you know, is there, we're talking and Jerome might kind of drop that, uh, man, I've been having these headaches lately. I've just, it's been kind of miserable, but I made it here to the laundromat today. And, and uh, I'll just say, well, hey, can I, can I pray for you? That's an approach. Uh, maybe I come in and, and Jerome has hurt his back and you're, he's all bent over and he's trying to get his laundry and it's, it's, you can tell he's hurting. And um, so I might say, hey man, can I, let me help you with that. And what, I, what's wrong? I've noticed that you're kind of bent over a little bit. What's going on? And you might say, well, man, I, just, I hurt my back at work this week or something. Or another approach could be, and this, this, is, this is intimidating, but I want to say it because this is kind of how we do it. God shows me something about Jerome that I shouldn't know. It's called a word of knowledge. We're going to talk about this in our spiritual gifts class that we're doing starting a week from Wednesday. And the Lord just shows me something going on in Jerome's life. And, and I'm, I'm not an Old Testament prophet, so I'm not infallible. You know, I don't know exactly everything going on, but, I'm, but I might come up to Jerome and say, you know, Jerome, hey, I, uh, sometimes God shows me things. I know it sounds kind of weird, but 
um, if he showed me something for you, would you mind if I, if I shared that with you? And he might say, no, I don't, get away from me, you're a weirdo. He might say that. Or he might say, sure, I'm, you know, usually people will say, sure. And I've done that to people, and all of a sudden, they, you know, they scream and run out of the room because it was something that God gave me that no one else knows. And it's called a word of knowledge. You don't have to be a pastor to operate in that. That's something that God does. He'll show us things, you know. If you work with people a lot, Sometimes as a believer and follower of Jesus, God will just show you things, an impression or a picture or an idea, and that might be a, an approach we take with people as well. You've got to be very gentle with that. We don't get a spiritual voice, thus saith the Lord, God says that you need to repent. The Lord showed my mom once that a lady, she was at like choir practice, we had a choir back in the day, and they were walking out and the Lord spoke to my mom and said, uh, she's having an affair. He was a good friend of ours. So my, my mom just kind of pulled aside and said, are you, are you having an affair? And she like about fell over because she was. And sometimes God will show you something like that. And we, we'll talk more in depth in our class of how you deal with those things. But it can just be, hey, can I, can I pray for you about something? Or it might be uh, a visible need. I could say you're back or God might show you something. So we're going to say it's a headache right now. You've been having some bad headaches. Start with an easy one. And uh, so I'm going to say, well, Step number two is ask. I was going to say, well, tell me about that. What's been going on? And oh, tell me about your headaches. Oh, I've been having some minor headaches uh, about in the mid-afternoon. Okay. <laughs> I could make some jokes, but I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe, 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 maybe let's, say it's, let's say it's stress-related. And, uh, you know, you're at work, and then the pressure builds, and something's going on, and this it head starts hurting or something, you know, or, or whatever. So I'm going to say, well, how long, how long have you been having these? Oh, for about uh, two months now. Okay, two months. Uh, do you know what caused it? Did something happen that caused it? Or what do you think is going on? Uh, I can't identify. Okay. Okay. The Holy Spirit told me it was stress, but I'm not going to say that to you right now. Uh, so how, how, how bad are these? You know, the vineyard does this thing. Like, and I, I was at the hospital off and on many times the last two or three months and what question they asked me over and over again ad nauseum, I just couldn't believe it. How would you rate the pain? On a scale of 1 to 10, how's the pain? And there were times my pain was a 10 and I'm in tears and making noises. And there's times it was a 5. So one thing you can say, well, drum, like a kind of scale of 1 to 10, how, how bad are the headaches? Uh, 6. Okay, it's a 6. Okay. So it's, it's kind of bothering the way you can, is it impairing the way that you do life? And, it is. Okay. So I'll say, okay, well, then the vineyard thing that we always do is this. This is step number three, and it's pray. Hey, could I pray for you? Is there anything I need to do? Or? No, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through it. Okay. Uh, and I'll say, can I, and they'll say, oh yeah, you know, like, because normally when a Christian says that, it means, well, when I go home, I'll be praying for you. But what we say is, you know, well, hey, can I pray for you? And he'll say, well, can I pray for you right now? We call it the seven words. And I'll say, well, can I pray for you right now? That'd be fine. Okay, great. And, and when you're praying for somebody in public, at the food pantry, at the laundromat, you know, you don't want to make it a, a holy huddle. You don't, you don't want to make it some big, you don't want to embarrass the person. You don't want to, you know, raise your hand and start speak, speaking loud or whatever. It's, it's conversational. A lot of times when I pray for somebody, like if I'm going to pray for Jerome's headaches, I'm going to keep my eyes open. It's going to be a 15 to 30 second prayer where I'm just going to speak to what's going on in Jerome's life and I'm going to pray for him. And all we're doing is we're giving God a chance to get involved in a person's life. This is a vineyard, part of the vineyard training. So I'll say, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? You know? 
So sometimes people, if there's an affected area of the body, they'll put their hand on that part of the body. That can get kind of weird. If you're, if you're a man praying for a woman, I would suggest you don't, you don't put your hand on them. You know, but since Jerome's a dude and I'm a, I'm a dude, you know, I'm going I'm to put my hand on his shoulder. And I'll just do a, I just might do a quick prayer. I'll say, Holy Spirit, thank you for Jerome. Just invite you to come and just minister to him right now. And Lord, these headaches have been bothering him. Uh, I just command these headaches to go in Jesus' name. And God, come and minister him. Amen. Just a quick little 30-second, you know, unless you see God doing something different, we just, just 30, 15, 30-second prayers. Real easy, not embarrassing. And then after that, I might say, um, and it don't be, we don't be pushy with this. We're not pushy like, can I pray for you right now? And Jerome says, you know, I don't really feel comfortable with that. You know what I'd say? Um, well, when I get home tonight, can I pray for you? Mind if I just pray for you at home when I'm home? He says, sure, go ahead, you know. But if someone, you, you can tell, our, our goal is not to pressure people or be the Bible thumper or, you know, we just want, we just want to pray for people. So after I pray for Jerome, I'm, I'm like, well, did, how are you feeling? Do you feel any change? Oh, yeah, the pain's down to about a two now. Okay, so, you know, if, if that's the case, we'd say, well, that, that's great, man. Let's celebrate that. And, and uh, or maybe it says, no, I feel about the same. I, I might say, depending on the time, well, can I, can I pray for you again? And we just pray again. Um, or he might say, man, I just felt, I don't know, when you started praying, I just felt warm or your hand got hot. Or all different kinds of things the Holy Spirit can do. There's no, there's no certain way. Like I said, Jesus spit in the mud and put mud on the guy's eyes. You know, he did it. It was always different. We don't want to get into formulas. We want to listen to what the Holy Spirit is doing, and we want to pray for people and let God just work. He's already at work in Jerome. I'm just here just to just to kind of for God to use me and just make this take away these headaches. And a lot of times, so we assess what God's doing. And then, and then we explain at the end. You know, if, if something happened, it says, well, you know, sometimes, you know, God's always at work. But maybe if you're not feeling anything, it's okay. Maybe, maybe God's doing something, and we'll see what happens. And sometimes people get healed later, and things happen. Sometimes nothing happens, and we're not in control. It's not my job to make something happen. It's not your job to make something happen. We just pray, and the Holy Spirit's at work. Um, maybe maybe he, something, God did something. And maybe I don't know where Jerome is with the Lord. And I might say something, you know, if God could heal your headaches, you know, he can also heal, you know, broken things in our lives. And he wants us to know him. And we can just go, go that direction and talk about that as well. But sometimes we connect the dots for people just to help them know that, you know, God loves you and he cares about you and he's at work. And, and, uh, and, we, and, we, and we draw him a little bit. And we can even explain this, the gospel, in simple terms to people. And that's good as well. And um, again, we just give an invitation. We don't force a response from anybody. So you've done some of this before, haven't you, with people? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jerome and I went to the park one day, and Jerome was fearless. And we were just talking to people, and Jerome, he'll just go up and ask the hard questions. I'm thinking, oh, I'll just kind of start moving away just a little bit, you know? <laughs> but you know, then in a few minutes, that person is sharing things and opening up. And again, we're not, we're just making ourselves available. You know, that's, that's our, we're just making ourselves available for God to use us, you know. Uh, that's what we want to do. Jerome, thanks, buddy. Thank it's good to see you today, too. So that's, that's kind of the steps of how we do this thing. We, do it, we did it at the food pantry yesterday. Uh, Gloria and Daniel were there, and they got to, you got to pray with some folks yesterday. And uh, sometimes we're praying for people, and I prayed for some folks, too, and sometimes I'm praying for them, and I, I, and I feel like the Lord's kind of show me something specific about their life. A lot of times I won't even just point it out. I'll just pray it. 
I'll just pray it. Like I was praying for a lady yesterday, and the Lord kind of showed me some things. I'll just, I'll just kind of prayed. It wasn't anything real, you know, confidential or weird. It was just kind of an aspect of what was going on. And she kind of, after we prayed, she kind of looked at me like, kind of like, how do you, how'd you know that? And, you know, we have a conversation. So anyway, we, uh, we let me give, make sure I get this, the alliterated, that's not alliterated, but the five steps. We, we approach, you know, we ask people how they're doing. We uh, pray for them. We ask them, how are you feeling now? And uh, then, we, then if it's, there's time, we, we explain kind of what God was doing or how these things can work. And the, the goal is, and we've talked about this many times, this is part of our vineyard heritage, is that the Lord wants us to affect people around us. He wants to impact people. He wants people to know Him and have a relationship with Him in this life. He wants them to know. So we, wanna, we just want to be involved. And ministry and practice happens in this, in this building. This is where we practice and we learn and we make mistakes. And the good thing about this is, not the good thing, but the honest thing about this is, um, we're not infallible. We're going to make mistakes. And, I, and I'll, I'll think I've heard from the Lord sometimes, and maybe it's not. And there'll be times I'm not thinking I'm hearing from the Lord, but I am. We're just very humble. We're here to serve people. And we're here to love them and uh, do whatever we can to help them within reason and that's what we want to do so um out of time where's the team why don't you guys come up and um at at our spiritual gift classes we're going to do here soon we're going to take some time and we're going to practice and we're going to uh just kind of try you know just hearing from the lord and praying for each other and doing some of those things we'll have a little bit more time but that's one thing that we're going to do for sure. So let me pray for us right now. And we're going to take a moment to worship. And, and, and maybe part of our practice is if maybe you're here today and you feel God doing something in your life today and you want prayer for something, we would love to pray for you today. So let me, let me pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just give you um, just our, our morning and our time. We thank you that you're here, that you care about us, that you're at work and that you love us. Lord, we thank you for the vineyard and the heritage that we've been grafted into. And Lord, those, those great things from the vineyard, man, bring them here, Lord. Let them, let them just show up in our fellowship, in our, in our church, in our relationships. Lord, let us, we want to be impactful to the world through the gospel, through the Holy Spirit. So God, thank you for that. Lord, today, if there's anything that you're wanting to do in us, Lord, just show us what you want today. Lord, I, I, I bless us all as we're going we're gonna to go today out into our families, into work tomorrow, and uh, into our neighborhoods. So Holy Spirit, just make us more aware of how to build relationships and, and see you work and move through people. God, I thank you for who you are and for all you're doing. In Jesus' awesome name, amen. Amen.